This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680-CJOB. No, we don't flush it. Another chance. Not let that go. Um, I, I think one of the concerns, you know, there's some concerns with how we played. The lack of discipline is, a, is really bothering me tonight. Penalties at the wrong time. Turnovers at the wrong time. Yapping at the refs. Uh, those things lead, lead into uh, other issues, but you know, clearly not our best effort. Uh, our, be- our best line was the fourth line. Give them a lot of credit. We got killed on face-offs, so we're chasing the game way too much. So we, we, we got to fix that. Um, but it's, it's the lack of discipline that really bothered me tonight. And then, like, there's different, form, different forms of discipline. Don't. It's not just the penalties. It's, it's the turnovers. It's the penalties at the wrong time. Um, yeah, it's all those little things that caught up to us tonight. Rick Bonus after the game. Excuse me. Um, uh, Colin, our uh, promotions guy, just Are came you in and gave turkey? me. He gave me a little ginger snap cookie. And man, was it good. Why, I love ginger snaps. Why would snaps. I think it's turkey? Of course it's a oh, cookie. Oh, soft, delicious. So Eating on the air, that's awesome. This is just Well, like I, I didn't eat on the air. I, fit, I, I, I shoveled it into my face, but I should have brought my water you from my desk to wash be, it down. You always think you'll be done by the time the light comes on. <laughs> I know it's three seconds away, but I'm going to eat this, and I'll be done by the time. By the time the intro music oh, and yeah. the clip ends. I was thinking, I got that. I'll just have one club. more bite. So I almost made it, but I didn't. Uh, much like the Winnipeg Jets last night. How's that for a segue, Jim Toth? Ooh. After the second period, there seemed to be a little bit of life in the Winnipeg Jets. Um, but uh, it was it was all for naught. Uh, Kirill Kaprasov bats in a puck uh, early on in that penalty uh, in the well the penalty kill for the Winnipeg Jets power play for the Minnesota Wild in the third period, and that pretty much put the game away for Minnesota. Um, I, I don't know, Jim. I mean, I, the the first two goals were pretty fluky. One goes off Morrissey's butt. Uh, the other one takes a really, really fortunate bounce, finds its way to the back of the net. Third, bad rebound from Hellebuck. I think the team's got to help him out, uh, pick up that rebound a little bit. But that wasn't a great re- uh, wasn't a great uh, rebound that he let there. But I just felt like the Winnipeg Jets. Um, Played their worst game of the season last night, and you know, keeping in keeping in track of you know, you know what? I have to take that back. I thought they probably well, no, they didn't. Altogether in sixty minutes, I thought the Winnipeg Jets in that Vegas game. I thought they probably had their worst period, uh, but that might have been their worst game altogether. Well, here's the difference. Well, what do you think, Jim? What's your what's your thoughts on it? Here's my thoughts. I think Six it was. To I think it was the team's worst game of the year, and that includes Connor Hellebach. Mm-hmm. I think the Vegas one, the team didn't have it for two periods or was their worst two periods of the year, but Connor Hellebuck was sensational. Mm-hmm. I, I thought we saw a lot last night and heard on 680 CGOB what the team looks like when... Um, oh, man, we've got some breaking news here, but I'll finish this yeah. thought. Um, it, this is sad news too, but we'll get yeah, to yeah. it in just a moment. I just thought we got to... I just saw Yeah, it. we got to look at the team on when Connor Hellebuck himself is average. And, and and not at his best. Now, I don't blame him for the opening goals like you said, 
But as the game went on, like the whole uh, goaltender interference call, and I, I, I look at that score. You have nothing to lose. Rick Bonus, I thought, made the wrong move, but it was a great move and the smart move because he's backing his goalie in a game that's, like that. That's so exactly what I thought. I, I'm like, and he gave him the thumbs up and stuff, and he goes, "I don't care. Like I'll do this because it doesn't matter at that point." And what he's doing is he's backing up his goalie, so that's a great move. But I thought it was the team, including Connor Hellebuck, overall worst game of the season. Uh, do I think this is a, a an outliner? Yes. Do I think they'll mm-hmm. be better? Yes. But I love everything about Rick Bonus's post game comments. Yeah. How he held the team accountable. And again, we'll get back to what we talked about a, two weeks ago. He's a guy that's not looking for the next contract. He's a guy that's not looking to, and I don't want to say build relationships because he is building relationships and will for the next yeah. two years. But he doesn't have to nurture them. He doesn't have to pick and choose his battles. He doesn't have to go, if I say this about this player right now, is that going to hurt me a year from now? He just, it's exactly what this team needs. And yeah. and we, we don't have to go down the path of why and why now and why not in the past and why this. Um, he's a 67-year-old coach who knows exactly what he's doing, and he's getting a lot more out of this team than the team has gotten yeah. out of it in the past two seasons. And he's pushing all the right buttons. And the right button last night was not to wash it, as he said, was to mm-hmm. hold the team accountable and understand that you've earned this place, but don't disrespect this place by not showing up. Yeah. And the Winnipeg Jets don't need to be nurtured anymore, Jim. The, the, those days are gone, in my in my estimation. I mean, I think that there's always room to grow and, and, and to help out and, and, and give the guys what they need. But I, I, I think that they are, they're kind of past the point of, of a nurturer and they need a guy that's going to have attention to detail and that's going to pick up um, all the little things. And yeah, not flush a game like that because it didn't deserve to be flushed. And uh, yeah, Jim, why don't you go ahead and, um, why don't you go ahead and announce the, uh, the breaking news here? Well, it's just it's with sad news, and and I think a lot of people watched the Borin Salming um, tribute and and recognition a couple of weeks ago or a week and a half ago. Uh, Brendan Shanahan, Maple Leafs president and alternate governor, has put this out in a statement. The Toronto Maple Leafs mourn the loss of Bjorn Salming. Bjorn was a pioneer of the game uh, and an icon with an unbreakable spirit and unquestionable toughness. He helped open the door for Europeans in the NHL and defined himself through his play on the ice mm. and through his contributions to the community. Bjorn joined the Maple Leafs 50 years ago and will forever be a part of the hockey family. We extend our deepest condolences to his wife, Pia, his children's Teresa, Anders, Rasmus, Bianca, Lisa, and Sarah, and brother Stieg. And this, of course, is from the announcement that um, the Borean Salming family has announced that he has passed away. Yeah, battling um, ALS. I mean, I yeah. think that was announced back in August in a team statement that, then you know, how uh, devastating a disease uh, Lou Gehrig's disease is. It's, um, it's, it's... But I mean, you know, it was such a brilliant, brilliant ceremony Um, and having him on the ice and seeing the emotion it caused him and Daryl Sittler and Matt Sundin and all the rest. I I think I'm just, look, this was coming. Mm. I'm just shocked having seen him, albeit in that state a short time ago that, that it came this fast. But ALS is just absolutely a heartbreaking disease. I don't have any personal experience with it, but I have a lot of personal experience with Parkinson's disease. And when you see people like this, I'm just glad that he got to be around that atmosphere one more time with his dear friends and his family. Um, and again, I'm a, I'm a little shocked that this news came out. Yeah, I know he didn't look very healthy at that ceremony for the Leafs, but I also didn't think it would be this soon after. But uh, may he rest in peace and deepest condolences to his family and friends. And not only Leafs Nation, but the NHL. He was an icon 
um, in my mind. I remember being a kid and not even understanding how the NHL worked so young, but remember seeing him and watching him play. And then as I got older, the the cut on his face and the stitches and the toughness. Um, but just, you know, it's sad, and uh, we wish our deepest condolences to them. And, and again, um, what a beautiful ceremony he was able to take part in just a few short days ago. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of where my age works against me, and, and like I, I don't have any memories of, of Boreas Alming or, or anything like that. Um, I don't, I don't have any sort of, uh, connection, connection to him. You know, I was born in 91. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't around during that time and, you know, sort of my age working against me here, but, um, I certainly know his impact in the game. And as, and as a fan of the game, I, I understand, um, the impact he had, particularly with, with European players, a, a huge trailblazer, um, kind of set the stage, um, for, for, you know, sort of a, a, a larger pipeline from those European players who could play uh, to make their way to the National Hockey League. So. I think I think the best tribute you can give somebody like him or any NHL player is, as I said, that was an era where I was really young and just getting into understanding what the NHL was and hockey was. Um, and he was an image. He was an iconic image at that time as a player. Um, and I grew up in, in Alberta in Western Canada. But I think the greatest tribute you can give to somebody is not just your teammates and your your team you played for respect, but the league respect, and mm-hmm. he had that. And he had that as a kid for me growing up in Alberta, going, I, I recognize that guy, and I, everybody likes him. And I think, you know, as I grew older and, and understood what kind of a player he was and how tough he was, but what a good player he was, and then you get, you know, even older than that and understand the journey when they all came over, much like the Finns to Winnipeg, um, I think that's the biggest compliment you can give somebody is, you know, whether you like or dislike the Leafs, you like Boris Salming. And yeah. I think that's the ultimate respect you can get as an NHL player. And you saw how, and you know, uh, Timo Solani and Teppo Newman in just in town um, uh, for the for the Winnipeg Jets Hall of Fame game. I mean, and, and they were asked about, about Boris Salming and, and, and his effect on them, and they had nothing but wonderful words uh, to, to say about him as well as uh, his impact again just to go back to um, to you know he was he was an, an icon here in in North America but he was uh, he was just as big out there in Sweden and Finland and um, you know providing a uh, like I said before like a, a pipeline for these guys to come over and, and get a shot and built the game out in Europe and uh, because of, of guys like him uh, the National Hockey League is in a better place. Yeah, and it has more talent. It's got it's it's got it's it's its expanse is has gotten a lot larger because of these guys heading out to Europe. And now they can go and they they go to the they go to Europe now. And I mean they, they've they've always you know they've been heading out on international games. I was just listening to a podcast talking about the Kansas City Scouts played their final games out in Japan um, on on an international trip there before I think they went to. Colorado. I think they've ended up being the New Jersey Devils, and we'll talk about the Devils. We'll do a little bit of an around the league in a little bit, but um, yeah, certainly, uh, yeah, uh, R.I.P. Uh, and people today, and, and maybe I know you do, even though you weren't, you know, around when he played. But people today don't understand that journey of what it was, um, t- because today players come over all the time. Yeah, players, they, players come over. At, at they come teenagers. in the CHL. Uh, they come they, in the CHL. Yeah, and stuff. I mean. They're like drafted this, at they're drafted at eighteen. This never happened. This never happened back then. And then when you did go, it just was a different world. Like you were literally on your own to do this. To go now, you have a dream, and you have a dream to play in the National Hockey League. Um, 
But the National Hockey League at that time back home is such a pipe dream, and you don't even get it daily. Like, you'd have to wait the next day to hear any information about it. I equate it to my dad who came over from Hungary in 1956, and my stepson at 9 and 10 years old is going, I don't understand what the problem was. Why didn't he just email his mom and dad when he got here? And I'm like, that's the part of this journey back then and, and to where these European players were coming. The point you can't get across is, no, no, at the time, you literally didn't know if you were ever going to see your parents again. You literally didn't know if you were ever going to talk to your family again. It was a journey of, now not from Finland, but, you know, the McGillneys when they defected and stuff. But I'm just trying to equate it in this generation of, because there's 15, 16-year-olds coming over and playing in the CHL and FaceTiming their family every night. Mm-hmm. Back then, it was you came over and you maybe wrote a letter that they might get in order to pursue your dream. And it'll ne- thankfully, you'll never be a world like that again, hopefully, for these, yeah. these players. But he was a trailblazer that he wanted to do this so bad that he came over and did this, not, you know, knowing like it was a di- literally the other side of the world at that time. And the world didn't exist globally like it does now. You couldn't see the other side of the world very well. Yeah. So. Yeah. He was a trailblazer, and and may you rest in peace. Yeah, well said, Jim. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We're going to do a little bit of around the league. Of course, the Winnipeg Jets uh, just couldn't get it done in pretty much all areas yesterday. Uh, Rick Bonus not having it. Um, Of course, they're going to have to be better against Dallas, uh, losing to the Wild yesterday 6-1. They're going to have to be better against Dallas. Those guys are rolling. They haven't slowed down. Uh, We'll have that game on you uh, right here on 680 CJOB. Uh, pre-game at 5.30, puck drop at 7.30 as the Winnipeg Jets roll through the Central Division on the road. We'll be right back. More Jets at noon. Don't go anywhere. Jets at noon on 680-CJOB. I'm not a believer in these, like, you learn lessons. I'm a firm believer that there's, there's harsh reminders of how to play this game the right way. Harsh reminders of... of how to win in this league, and one of the things we talked about after the game is that, you know, we're, we're, we're these teams are chasing us now. Okay, two things with that: take pride in the fact that you're there, but also take the responsibility that comes with being on a good team. There's responsibility that comes with that, of being prepared, and playing with discipline and playing the right way. Uh, none of those things we did tonight. Yeah, Rick Bonus, um, you know why. I don't think I've ever heard a, a head coach, Jim Toth, uh, talk about a team's lack of responsibility. And that was exactly what happened yesterday. Um, there was a lack of responsibility. And, you know, just go back to some of the things maybe Brady Oliveira said, it, you know, as the, you know, leading into the Great Cup and afterwards and, you know, running back for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Talk about honoring, uh, honor your teammates. And I, I, I don't felt like, I don't feel like the Winnipeg Jets did that last night in their 6-1 loss to Minnesota. They didn't honor each other. They didn't honor each other. Here's what I – so Kelly Moore had the stat that on the road, this team has started poorly in the first 10 minutes of the first period, six out of nine games this year. Yeah, that's something we got to talk about. And so that stood out to me because I think we've all seen this, but I don't chalk it up to that many. I'm just like, oh, they're off to a bad start again. Um, but what Rick Bonus, in my opinion, is talking about there is, look, there. I don't know how to quantify this the past couple of years, but and, and people will laugh at this, some will anyway. This is a very good hockey team. This is a very good top 
10 to 12 NHL hockey team. Are they top four or five? No. Are they in the mix after that? For sure they are. And there, there, has to, there comes with it some responsibility to make sure that you perform that well 82 games a year. Now, I don't know what happened last night. Um, I, I, I agree the first two were kind of bad bounces and stuff. Yeah. I think there was a four or five minute span, three, three to four minutes before Kyle Connor's goal and the rest of the period after, where they looked like the team they should look like, 50 to 55 minutes every single night. Mm-hmm. And I want to emphasize this. That is tough to do, but that's what winning teams do. 82 times a year, you come out and you put up 45 to 55 minutes of good hockey and you might not win every game, but at least you show up. So what I think Rick Bonus is talking about is you have to understand that you're in this place. Like he didn't go like you got to show up ready and stuff first, did he? What he talked about first was having pride in the fact that teams are chasing you. So have some pride. Yeah. Come out on the ice and know you're a good team if you play well. Have some pride in not just coming out and going, we're going to start this game, we're going to see how it goes, we're a good team and have it. You've got to come out and go, this is us, this is our game from puck drop. There's obviously something going on on the road that has these guys starting slow. There's got to be something that maybe if you can talk to the the team, they're not going to give you the right answer. They're saying, you know, we're just not ready. You know, we got, we got to get ready. We got to get pucks in deeper. Because they stopped skating lots of times in that game and they got caught up, you know. I don't know. There's obviously something going on because it's not – it's a pattern now, Jim. It's not a trend. I mean, six out of nine times. That's I the mean, concerning part, yeah. See, and that's that's going to be – if it's got to get fixed or it's going to be something they're going to battle all season long. And teams are going to key on that. They're going to say, listen, these guys come into town, and I, I don't know, for whatever reason, they're not ready to go. we got to get we got to get on them quick. And you're going to see what happened in Minnesota yesterday a lot more often. Here we go. I knew this was coming. Dave Texas. How's Blake Wheeler's fan club doing after his minus three okay. at home we're, state last night? Minus six in the last five games, by the way. This is right. from Dave. Dave, uh, where were you the first 14 games of the year? Yeah, I, <laughs> like, honestly. I, I, look, Blake Wheeler was terrible last night. Absolutely terrible. His penalty was was awful. His, and his, his the giveaway tr- was more terrible, and his reaction to the giveaway was even worse. The Not turnover the stick was on the ice. like the moving slow, stopped in the middle of the ice, doesn't handle the puck. It was an ugly turnover, Jim. But, One of the as ugly as it can get. But here's my problem, Dave. Where were you the first twelve or fourteen games of the year? It's a good, fair question. Where were you the other night when against Carolina, when he was unbelievable passes to make the team go up two nothing. Yeah. So here's my point. Blake Wheeler, like most NHL players, if he's good for 70 to 72 games a year, that's about what you can expect because every player is going to have a terrible game. And I'll tell you why he's minus six and minus three last night. Last night, the minus three is totally on Blake Wheeler, in my opinion. That's him. That's on him. He's got to be better than that. The minus six in the last five games, I will venture to tell you, has a lot to do with Cole Perfetti. And uh, and you, very Dave, true, in very the, true. It, probably in the Hanola, Perfetti, all this kind of stuff fan club, feel free to call the station right now, Dave, 780-6868. That's why he's minus six in the last five games. Yeah. The minus three last night is totally on Blake Wheeler. And I was going to bring this up because I, I believe in Blake Wheeler. I think he's having a great season so far, and I think he's fine at $8 million a year. So when he does have bad games, I was going to bring this up myself and talk about that. But look, 
he's very good. And if you want to do this every time one of the better players on the team has a bad game, you better do it every day that they have a great game because the bad games are few and far between. Yeah, I, 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 I we we got to talk about Cole Perfetti, and and this is this is kind of attached to the conversation we were having yesterday with Jesse Pierce, uh, a wild rider. She joined the show yesterday. We we talked about it heading into the show. Uh, Marco Rossi over his first sixteen games, you know, has been scratched and all that sort of thing. He's got one assist, right? He's not getting top six minutes. He's playing in the bottom six. He's on the second unit power play, but he, he's playing 10, 12 minutes a night. He's not getting the opportunities. He's a top six player. He's drafted as a top six player. He's going to become a top six player. So what you've been seeing with Cole Perfetti over the last little bit is the fact of the matter is, is that, well, there, let's, let, let's be honest right now. There's a big hole at wing right now with the Winnipeg Jets. Mason Appleton's down. Morgan Barron's down. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers is down. And, 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 but Cole Perfetti was on the depth chart as a top six winger, he was slotted in right there with Blake Wheeler and, and Pierre-Luc Dubois at the start of training camp. What is going on right now with Cole Perfetti is the understanding of the Winnipeg Jets that Cole Perfetti is a top six player. He will become a top six player. And you have to be willing to accept that the kid is young. What is he, 20 years old, Jim? Like, I think maybe he might be, I think he's turning 21, I think at the end of in January 1st. Yeah. He's a young guy, but he's going to make mistakes. He's going to, like, that was a bad penalty he took at the end of the second period and totally cut down the momentum and, and let the wild back into the game. And he, he's he's been making mistakes the last little bit. But you you, you got to put it into perspective that this is about him developing. And he's going to be a great NHLer, but you have to accept that's why he's playing with Blake Wheeler and Pierre, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Jim. I mean, there's, yeah, there's, they're, they're out there to dig the puck for him, but those are guys going to show him how to play the right way. And he need. He, I'll even venture to say his his biggest mistake last night was not one-timing that pass from Wheeler. He, you have to one-time yeah, that. It, it, that was it's so, not, it's it's just, not it was, AHL junior hockey where you can stop it and shoot it and still yeah, score. That's, that's exactly what I was In the say. NHL, with NHL goaltenders, you have to one-time that. But, but to your point, Cam, I yeah. totally agree with you. That's fine. That's what a young player like this, the next time Blake Wheeler feeds him a pass like that, he's going to one-time it. I promise right. you that. Yeah. But that's the feeling out process that we go to here. So, um, look, I, I, I did want to make a point of this, and I'm glad Dave brought it up because I did want to say Blake Wheeler was awful last night. That offensive <laughs> yeah. zone penalty, the stick infraction is terrible. The fact that they scored two seconds after that man advantage ended, the giveaway was bad enough, but the reaction to just – like, I, and he wasn't going to catch Felino after that turnover – but to just panic and try to get it back as opposed to just watch it. But the point is the whole team was bad last night. So I am I think Blake Weir is having a good season. I think Cole Perfetti is having a good season. So do I. So but do they're I. both having good seasons for where they are in their career. And Perfetti has a lot to do with defensive zone. I, I, I know of the minus six he is in the last five games. I have it in my head right now, especially against Carolina, and I believe the other night against Pittsburgh. It was Perfetti's man that went to the net unmarked, and Perfetti's two feet behind him. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's minus on that because he's on that line. But so it just – it was collectively, and I want to include this because I'm never going to harp on Connor Hellebuck, especially with the season he's having, but he was average last night too. The rebounds he was giving up are uncharacteristic. So I just think the overall team had a bad game. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Uh, thanks so much for you guys weighing in, 204-780-6868. Uh, we're going to go around the league a little bit. Uh, there was a little bit of an incident in New Jersey. I'm going to get Jim's opinion. Really? Did, you know, goaltender interference, kicking motion, oh, all I was stuff. waiting for this. We'll be right back. I said to self, self, if they get a third one, Cam will go off. <laughs> 
<laughs> Chats at noon on 680 CJOB. I'll take uh, plus one on November 24th all day, every day. That's like how I party, Jim Toth. You can party all day, party. every day. All day. Party. All day. Yeah. Party well, all day long. Did you party yesterday after Team Canada? You uh, went out, you shook it a bit. I went, yeah, just to went and watch the game. My uncle uh, had a really good time. Um, I, I was really, you know, it's. It sucks he didn't get that. Uh, Alfonso Davies didn't get that penalty. That would have changed everything. Uh, if they just had a little bit of finish, Jim, they kept putting balls over, but I thought they outplayed Belgium. That bodes well. That was a game that you could lose, uh, but they're going to need to get points against Croatia. And if they get a draw, at least with Croatia, then they're going to have to beat Morocco. But they got to win one of these next two games. So this is interesting. Yeah. Alfonso Davis has been on the world stage and has won several championships with Bayern Munich mm-hmm. um, and all that. But we talk about this in every sport, performance, playoff time, Zach Claros, this great cup yep. compared to the last couple of great cups, everything like that. I have a theory that Alfonso Davis, eight minutes into the first World Cup match in 36 years and his first gets a penalty kick and it's too soon. He took 65 seconds to take that kick. And I think the mind is rolling as good as he is and experienced as he is on a big stage. This is the thing about even I'll go deeper into analytics. Mm-hmm. Analytics doesn't have a heartbeat. Analytics doesn't have a brain. It's just numbers, and they're valid, and they're a great tool. But put a guy as good as he is in a certain situation. I think if that penalty kick was nil-nil or even down one-nil in the 65th minute, he buries it. Yeah. I, mean, I think he's in yeah. his head. Sorry, but I think in his head, it's like, holy cow, we could literally shock the world here and go up one nothing eight minutes into this. I, I don't think you can properly put into words how big of a stage the World Cup is in that moment was for Alfonso Davies. And, um, yeah, he didn't get it. You know what? I thought he played a really good game. I mean, man, is he quick. He's He's got speed, and at the same time, he's got touch, and he puts the ball in such, a, he's in such nice little spots and he set up his team. He play, he had a, he had a great game. I, I thought Canada played great. I don't think there's anything about that game to be disappointed about, except for the fact that they lost and they didn't get that first World Cup goal. Um, but Croatia on Sunday, they got to get they got to get at least a draw. If they win it, all the better. And then we're going to see what happens. But this team can roll with they can roll with them. They can roll with Belgium. They they rolled with them. And Belgium's a little older, particularly on the back end. There, there's no doubt about that. Canada was uber aggressive on them, and I think the Belgians were just thinking. You know, if we just hold back, we're going to get an opportunity on the counterattack, and that's exactly what they did. And that was a perfectly placed ball on the goal they scored um, at the end of the first half there, close to the end of the first half, with a good touch. And I don't know how you defend that play any better. Just a nice play by the Belgians. Anyways, we're going to get going here. On, on I'm going to be, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on this. I'm all in on this, man. It's like, you know, heading into it, Jim, I was thinking like through CONCACAF qualifications, I was saying to myself, man, if they just qualify, all I want is them to be in the World Cup. And isn't it funny how that happens? And all of a sudden, you're like, well, now, now they got to get to the knockout stage and then we got to see what they can do. I mean, that's, the, that's sports, man. That's, it's believing. It, it's hope. That's what drives everything. Look, you know, it's like I, my whole <laughs> life, if the Bombers just get a great cup championship, Jim, I can die happy. Well, then you want two, and then it's like, well, come on. we got to get three in a row. Dynasty, baby, dynasty. So, dynasty indeed. So, this is the other thing about yesterday's match. And I knew this before this. I'm not trying to say I'm some kind of genius or not. But watching this qualification team and roster go, 
they can hang with the world. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't look at Canada's ranking and I don't look at them not being here in this place in 36 years and go, okay, well, let's hope for the best. The way this team plays, the speed in which they play with and the physicality, and that's what happened yesterday. They took the play to Belgium. I also know with Belgium's experience that they go into their first game going, you know, let's, okay, we're getting it taken to us. There's no panic, all that. But this Canada roster regardless of the next two results, can hang with the world. Yeah, They took it to uh, the number two ranked team. They didn't get a result, but that's what's exciting. And they're so young that this is going to be a decade-long crew. Yeah, it's almost like it's they're building towards next year when it's going to be in Canada, the States, and Mexico, or the next World Cup in four years' time. Um, uh, this this one from, and, and I, I want to comment on this, and I really appreciate the person who texted this in. I, I really do. Thank you so much for this. Um, I, I, I'm not trying to come down on you. I, I just think it's a, it's... I just have a comment on this. He says, hey, Davies has not played in four months. He never should have taken that penalty. Okay. Now, if Jonathan David goes in and takes that penalty instead of Alfonso Davies, and he has the exact same situation and he misses it, everybody would have been saying, well, why didn't Alfonso Davies take the kick? He's their star. He's the guy you got to put in that, in that situation, into that spot. So you miss a penalty. You got to convert a penalty. What's the, what's the ratio of them? They're over 80%. You got to make it. Anyone in there? You know, Jim, they put me in there. I got I to gotta go in there. I got to make that penalty. Here's but, my other theory. Anyways. Your best player shouldn't is probably not your best penalty kick taker. Yeah. Now, maybe Alfonso Davies is. He's been taking him for a while. I don't want to say this is a, like verbatim, but yeah. um, it's the old Wayne Gretzky on breakaways, right? Like, <laughs> um, But look, I'm not going to harp on it too much. I, I, John Herdman in that spot. My, my point to this is, is just that like you can put – you can take the most – experienced, talented, skilled individual, and you put them into a certain scenario and you just, it's the old John Gibbons with Marcus Stroman, one game against Baltimore who lit him up all year. Yeah. All the stats, all the analytics, everybody said, do not start Stroman in this one and done playoff game. And what does Gibbons do? He gives you the wink and he says, but I know his heart. Yeah. I know his mindset. He's a competitor. I don't care what his numbers are. If I got a one-and-done game, I'm going to put the guy who wants to fight and crawl. And what does he do? He gets a win against yeah. the team that absolutely lit him up all year. So what I'm saying about uh, – Davies gets another penalty kick this tournament. He he finishes it. I'm just saying that, like, it that early in the game with that magnitude, yeah. having played the game, like, you don't settle into a game till 15, 20 minutes in. So your heart is still pumping. Your heart – like, he's probably still going all over the pitch going, I better pace myself here a bit. And then there is the fact that I yeah. don't think he's healthy. But if they could have buried that, it changes the complexion of that game. Ooh, I'm not saying yeah. I'm not saying Canada wins it. I think Belgium plays the game a lot differently. But they get the goal. They, Ron they, they, wants to know, on top. Ron wants to know how I made out not hearing the score, and I'm going to say not very good, Ron. I have no. Well, I, I saw <laughs> I that no one self, coming. Self control. I, I, I saw like... that one coming. Uh, real quick here, you know what? We're going to go around the league tomorrow. We just ran out of time. I, I think this is a good conversation about Canada uh, and Belgium, and of course Croatia coming up on Sunday. I'm gonna. I'm all hyped for that. We got the family. They're getting together. We're having a Sunday brunch. We're going to watch Canada and the World Cup again, um, which is just an absolute treat. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, you know, I, I, I got to keep reminding myself of that. But really quickly here, we only got about a minute and a half. Uh, Devils fans littering the ice yesterday, 2-1, uh, losing to the Leafs, ending their 13-game winning streak. Uh, after Now, they it was the third one. First two get called back for goaltender interference. The first one, I think, is a pretty iffy call. 
I mean, because I just saw something happen with the Jets. I don't agree that, that you know, I didn't think it was goaltender interference. But if that's goaltender interference and that one isn't, I have no idea what's going on. Um, and But this is my issue with goaltender interference. I think you should just get rid of the review altogether. That's a different topic. Um, but the the second one, I don't mind. I think that that one gets called back. He, he, he you know, he hit... Um, he hit the Leafs goaltender there. And then the kicking motion thing. And three three goals called back. Uh, the fans are t- going to be ticked off. I I get that. But you can't just you can't just start pelting stuff on the ice. You're gonna hurt you're gonna hurt somebody. Awful. Awful. And, and I'm sure somebody got nailed in the stands, somebody that's you know from an errand throw or something like that. I mean, you just can't do it. It's terrible reaction. Yeah. I, I, I was waiting for this camp because I thought that was the right call on all three no goals. I yeah. thought it was goaltender interference. Well, the first the right one I'm fifty fifty on. The other two other two I'm I'm putting my hands up. So I just I thought um all three were it was interesting. The the one in the Jets game last night I didn't think was unless that was um the forward stick, which it wasn't. I think it was Pionk stick on that. And then there was one in the Colorado game, which I don't get yeah, at all. Elias Pedersen got hit by a, can- a bag of candy. I don't get that one at all. So, um, but I, you know, look, it was awfully threw it on the ice, but the Leafs, Devils. Here's the other quick question before we go in the NHL, and maybe we'll save it for tomorrow right, around let's, let's, the NHL. Yeah, bring it up and we'll talk Do about it Do you think the Devils make the playoffs? Well, I guess we're going to have to wait till tomorrow well, to find there, out my answer. There's, there's that's a tease. It, that's it for me. Sky call, ne- he- call Heather Steele and say this was the tease <laughs> of the day. Uh, Sky Neller, uh, she's going to uh, – She. thank you very much for producing the program, as always. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB.